0: Hello, everybody, welcome. Uh, today I had Caleb Leach on, uh, a good friend of mine that I met a couple years ago in, in Europe, and the man just taken off and uh, become a great ambassador for the game. And uh, he recently gave a speech at the at a protester demonstration in Salzburg, and I had him on to talk about it and kind of got some things off my chest. So um, please, I encourage everybody to listen to the end and uh, and just be open-minded to the conversation, which I'm, I'm sure you will be, and uh, take care of each other and enjoy. He has a loving wife, a dead body, the three kneecaps, and he has a bird. Welcome to the podcast, He Has a Bird, with Sean Sheldon. Hello service, Chris. Welcome back to the podcast. He has a bird. I am your host Sean Shelton. Today I have a guy that I've been wanting to get on for a while. Uh, he's a person that I met about two years ago now. Um, mm-hmm. And he was just this little tiny character in American football in Europe. And now he's, he's just like a sunflower. He's blossomed into this big <laughs> ass flower. And, and I think the the final the final blossoming was uh, this past weekend in Salzburg, which we'll get into. But I have Caleb Leach, the running back coach for the Vienna Vikings, boo, uh,
1: <laughs>
0: the president of Europe's Elite and the director of social media for American Football International. Caleb, thanks for coming. Thanks, man. I appreciate you. Sean. Of course, man. Of course, man. That was quite the introduction. That was quite the, the mouthful um, in terms of titles. <laughs> uh, my man my man's busy which we'll get to but um, like I talked about we met two years ago I, and you were kind of a blimp on the radar been a been an import in Germany at a lower level and nobody kind of knew who you were in the realms of American football in Europe which is not the biggest mm-hmm. community right uh, and I still don't think a lot of people know you in my opinion even in Austria, which you've been in for for two years now, and where we met. Yeah. So I kind of wanna I kind of wanna get into your story. What What was your journey, coming from, I believe, a pretty small town in Kentucky. Yeah. Yeah. Going to Canada and then over to Europe. What What was that? What was that journey like for you?
1: Yeah, man. A uh, small town boy, Frank Kentucky. Uh, I think in our county, uh, county is like a little bit bigger than the city. For those people who don't know. There's 25,000 in the county, and it's definitely under 20,000 in the city, more like 18 or 17,000 in the city. It's really small. Went to college at Florida Tech University that actually just canceled their football program. I know. It's a few months back. That's um, sad. Yeah. I mean, I was a part of the inaugural football team and uh, did everything there. So we helped start that program up. We're a really good team within mm-hmm. the six, or seven seasons playoff, playoff team. team. Within six, seven seasons, we went to two playoffs mm-hmm. as a startup program, and we were Which ranked in division
0: the top two is not easy. By the way, yeah. like if you're making a playoff, if you're making the playoffs, you're a good
1: team. Yeah, we were in the top twenty five three times mm-hmm. out of seven years. We're very, very good football team there. Uh, after I finished my bachelor's, my under, undergraduate degree, I went up to the University of Toronto in Canada. Uh, to pursue a master's in theology uh, and nonprofit management. So theology is religion. Anybody Mm -hmm. that know that and uh, did a year and a half of football there. uh, And then actually got a chance to, to meet some of the the coaches at the Toronto Argonauts and shake hands and get my opportunity with that. And that's that's all it was, was quick opportunity. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Just a cup of coffee, cup of coffee. uh, And I appreciated that because it gave me a little hope, but it didn't work out. So I, seeked playing elsewhere and i took off to germany i played in gfl2 in germany uh, with Montebauer fighting farmers that was a great name awesome great people the season just was not not a good season um so i kind of was over football i thought i took off to japan for a little bit thought i was going to play out there then i ended up coming back to salzburg austria to coach That's where you and I had met. And I remember the first words he said to me, he's like, what are you doing?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, to paint the picture, to be fair, we were having, uh, the Raiders coaches were invited to Salzburg to kind of run like a clinic. And so the Bulls were there and some other smaller division teams through Austria. And we were putting them through drills or whatever. And I kept looking up and seeing this guy sitting in the stands by himself. And then finally, I just walked over. I was like, hey, what are you doing (laughs) And then we we met. <laughs>
1: that, yeah, it was our first. It was our first intro. It was really funny. We had to eat that night. Exactly <laughs> at the buffet. Yeah, and I was yeah. like, oh yeah, they just brought me down to coach. And he's like, oh cool, man, let's hang out. That was a funny dinner. <laughs> yeah, really funny dinner.
0: Well, some strong characters. uh
1: Yeah, yeah, but table. I'm thankful for it, and mm-hmm. uh I've just been growing since. Now I'm the running back coach here in Vienna, finding.
0: Well that's not all you are. Where, where were you when we met? In in in, in terms of your life plan, you were, you were kind of uh, trying to get into studies at Salzburg, right? You were, yeah, you were into um, nonprofit housing, eco solution yeah. housing um, yeah. for for, for low income families, yep. uh, if I remember correctly, and 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 then you had an opportunity at Puma, and then you had some other things going on. And then it just kind of like, It seems like rubber hit the road for you, and uh, now you have all sorts of great, great stuff going on. So, kind of walk us through that. that. The last two years of your life has been a kind of a sprint, I imagine.
1: I appreciate that because you know what? Um, Yeah, there was some reality in that. I'd got, I'd left football, I'd left the whole Germany thing, Japan thing, and I said, you know what? What else can I do without playing? Uh, and I wanted to get into studying and working down there in Salzburg while I coached. That was my, my goal. And I wanted to find my way to stay in Europe because I taught myself German to a decent level. Mm-hmm. Um, my first year being in Germany, um, and Salzburg was my place. Uh, I didn't have much money. I didn't have, I didn't know anybody. Mm-hmm. So I didn't like have any other reason to be there other than like trying to figure out what the heck I'm trying to do. I think a lot of young athletes go through that moment where you're like, what the heck am life. And this was mine. Um, so it was a low spot for sure. It was tough at times. Uh, I tried the, the this whole building income, low income housing or affordable housing for families in Europe with these A frame homes. I still work with that a little bit in the U S and in, in Europe. It's just been difficult. Yeah. Especially with my thing. Uh, it wasn't working as fast. So I had to figure out like, how can I really like grow? professionally? And what is it? Something I really want to do the rest of my life um, while I stayed out here. Kept coaching, kept coaching. I was like, all right, well, coaching isn't it. This isn't going to bring you a bunch of money, but I just like being around the game of football. Uh, But I love business development. And within that time in Salzburg, I met my good friend, Evan Harrington. Uh, I told him about my skills with business development. And I started out as a marketing director uh, with your Elite. Uh, I guess that would have been January, December, January, December of 2018, January, 2019, that time. Um, and I was just helping things grow, helping things grow. Uh, fast forward to about sometime 2019, some like September, October, end up becoming a large owner of the company and the president of the company. Mm-hmm. Uh, but before that, I also joined the uh, American Football International uh, team. Mm-hmm. And I've been I came on as a social media director because so I loved what AFI was doing. And the, the two websites are separate, but I have great missions with the game of football. Yeah. And that's where I'm at today. So I came out to Austria, didn't have a bunch of nothing, didn't have anything, didn't have any friends, didn't have any money, didn't have a like a specific purpose, but I knew I wanted to grow the person mm-hmm. and kinda see what I could do. And here I am.
0: Yeah. So in two years in two years you've basically become if not the most influential, at least one of the most influential uh, people in media in American football in Europe. So can, you don't have to say it. I, I'll say it. So, okay. <laughs> so I think that's, I think it's a crazy, it, first of all, congratulations. That's awesome. That shows you what <laughs> what hustle and actually motivation will do. Um, and also it kind of shows you and what I, what I kind of tell people when I talk about American football in Europe, it's kind of, I don't want to say the Wild West, but it's a blank canvas. Yeah. It's a blank okay. canvas. You can, if you actually, if you put a lot of work into it and you have a great idea and you have a great vision and you can work well with people, there's a lot of different avenues that you can take. And a lot of people have tried um, and done various things, but you really, you really have a platform here where you can build the type of life that you want to live. And that's what I've yeah. currently, I've been trying to do since I've been getting, uh, since I got to Europe and, um, and I think it's a great opportunity for people. And you're kind of the perfect example in two years what you've been able to achieve. I mean, you picked a, you picked a questionable club to work for, but besides, <laughs> that, besides that,
1: no, I, I think it's great. So before so now
0: go, on, go ahead.
1: I was going to say before you go on, man, like, uh, like, Anybody who missed that? Me and Sean had met within my two years. And we're mm-hmm. still staying in contact. We'd stay in contact about once or twice a month yeah. in between that time. And you just like, hey, how you doing? What's going on? And mm-hmm. like the small stuff of you just checking in because I was another American guy who you met meant a lot to me and our friendship. And we was like, okay, yeah, 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 somebody's making sure I'm all right. And then I would give you some updates and you're like, Okay, man, I see what you're doing. Like, keep going. Yeah,
0: it was crazy. It's like, hey, man, what you got going on? Oh, you got that? Okay, that's new. Okay, good for you, man. It's been a fucking week, but what's up? Yeah. But I think, yeah. I think the, one of the reasons why I always checked in on you, because like I said, you were a guy sitting by yourself on the stands uh, for a club that you didn't know. You know what I mean? And so it's like, I, I'm, I've been that guy. I've been the guy who's moved to a city, took a leap of faith, just like i'm gonna figure it out like when i flew to france i knew nothing i knew not a word of french i knew not a single person who lived in paris uh and it was just kind of like here we go and within within you know within uh a calendar year within 365 days i was the quarterback of the soccer raiders Mm -hmm. so you just you work you know yeah you climb the ladder and whichever so so I had, a, I had a ton of empathy for you because I know how lonely mm-hmm. it can be. I know how, uh, yeah, uh, homesick some people can get, you know, how, mm-hmm. how you kind of, you know, at one point I remember sitting in France, like, what am I doing? You know, like, is this, like, what's going on? You know, what is, yeah. So you kind of question yourself a little bit. So that, that's part of the reason why I always checked in because it was like, I have a ton of empathy for that guy because I was there mm-hmm. three years prior, two years prior.
1: Mm-hmm. And now you hit it right in the head that, that moment where you're just like, man, what am I doing? Like, yeah. I don't know these people. I don't know this food. I don't know this language. Like, I can barely even turn on the water in this country because the knobs are different. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, uh, uh, man, but I think that's that relationship the game of football football like, creates. It, it's its always bigger than just the game in between the white Absolutely. lines, it's always bigger than that. And uh, this is just a testament to
0: it. So it's really cool that we talk about Absolutely. And I think before we move on, we, we kind of actually spoke spoke about it shortly before we started recording is I think sometimes clubs really lack that empathy that I just talked about with you is like everything is a struggle when you're an import. You, you, you feel so dependent on the club. You, you can barely do anything by yourself, especially when you're in a when you're in a, uh, a scenario where you, you, the language is completely foreign to you you don't know your way around, you don't know anything about where you are, especially if it's the first time you've been in Europe, uh, that I think clubs forget about that sometimes. So I think um, if anybody is influential in a club that's listening to this, like build structure for your imports. They're coming from college football, which is very, very structured. Like make sure they have shit to do, make sure they feel like they have a purpose outside of just playing and make sure that they they feel comfortable uh, uh, inside of your team. Because when you have a good import, it can be extremely beneficial for your club from top to bottom because a lot of those guys are college educated and have uh, skills outside of just playing football like Caleb is a perfect example and uh, secondly when, when, the, when the import doesn't have that his performance will go down his play, you know, it's just extremely beneficial just a small side note I thought that was a good example so now that you are here and you are where you are uh, geographically and in your, in your career, what, what, what's next? What's the plans moving forward? What, what, what else do you have in store?
1: Um, no, man, so, uh, with AFI, I've been less than able to learn a lot about the American football scene and work with amazing people like Roger Kelly and uh, John McKinnon. And we're doing some cool things just continue to spread the word of, of football around the world and finding new ways to really put a spotlight on different countries, not just Europe, but uh, I'm a big advocate for reaching out to, to countries in South America, uh, countries in Asia, such so as Japan and China, like Japanese league is legit. People mm-hmm. still keep doubting like, old XFL or the X league is not as good as the German football league. I promise you that X league is better. It is legit. That is a structured league and a system of football from the youth all the way to the pro level. Um, and I want to just continue to learn and explore that and see see what else is out there. Uh, and then with uh, Europe's Elite, as some people have had known it before, as a recruiting service, it's not that anymore. It is a media platform to tell the story of these young players and teams and clubs and communities throughout Europe. So if you're playing American football and eventually basketball and women's soccer, this platform has been dedicated to talk about these apps. Whether you're going to college, you're going to play pro football, or you just went for a thousand yards and within three games in the Austrian football league and you're 18, hey man, you deserve to be hyped up. Now you got to remain humble, but you deserve to have space to say this guy is good, and there's nothing wrong with that. By spreading news, now that uh, your team is not going to just take a stand like, oh, we discovered this guy. No, their coaches did that. <laughs> like their their parents raised. Him. But we can create a platform for everybody to kind look at this news about this one player and their club and their community. Cool stuff.
0: Yeah, absolutely. No, absolutely. I think that's, I think that's a great idea. And uh, yeah. no, of course. And moving forward, uh, what I kind of mentioned in the intro is this blossoming and introduction. <laughs> and cause we always, we always kind of joke that it's like, you know, we kind of, or you kind of painted out your development over the last two years that we've, we've since we met yep. each other is like, Uh, very much behind the scenes like you were obviously Europeans elite or or Europe's elite excuse me and American football international are very well known platforms Uh, but people don't know Caleb Leach you know what I mean like people didn't and we talked about that when you started doing the AFI uh, the rundown for podcasts Mm -hmm. and it's like nobody nobody knows you as a host like nobody knows of you and so we always talked about kind of doing an introduction process and you kind of you kind of did it for yourself this weekend. But uh, but not only that, not only that. So if if people don't follow Caleb on social media, basically what happened is there's been some demonstrations in, uh in Austria as well, stemming from all the turmoil that's happening in the States and the, the Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter movement. And so there was a demonstration in Vienna. I'm sure there was in Graz. Uh, there was in Innsbruck the other day, and there was one in Salzburg, where you you had currently lived. And uh, I assumed you were asked, or you were formerly lived, and you you were asked to speak. And what happened is uh, basically Caleb got on a van with a microphone in front of 7,000 people, and and said his piece. And I thought it was I thought it was great. But in, in part of that. It was like a metaphorical blossoming of uh, you kind of stepped into the spotlight in American Europe, American football in Europe and, and not not for that cause, obviously for it's a different mm-hmm. cause, but but very much so kind of stepped out. So first, there's, I want to break this down because there was a lot of things that I thought was very, very interesting. But just in general, before we get into the details, when you're when you somebody gives you the microphone, you're about to step on a platform or step on a stage in front of 7,000 people to deliver a super important message. Like, like I can't stress how important the message, especially coming from a person who can directly relate to everything that's going on in the States. Uh, what, what was kind of going through your head? What was your feelings as you, as you were um, climbing on top of that van? Okay, so I'll
1: say this. The, the, the feelings I had climbing on top of the van compared to the feeling I had of when someone first asked me to speak were completely different.
0: Okay, um, Can, compare the two for me, please.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, so originally the organizers reached out to me uh, the Saturday before and asked if I would mind speaking at a uh, demonstration in Salzburg. Because um, they had saw something I put on social media uh, about my doors open, if you wanna have a conversation, let's talk about it. And I thought that's just a healthy way to, for us to grow as people no matter where you are, what you look like, we got to talk and have a healthy conversation on both sides. One, one side listens, the other one speaks and then back and forth, whatever. But after that, I said yes and I was like, okay, cool, let's do it. Uh, and I'm thinking I'm going to talk to like 50, maybe 150 people. And then they were like, oh no, it's like a full protest in Salzburg. I was like, oh, so like 500 because I'm thinking Salzburg's not that bit. And I was like, yeah, yeah maybe 500. I was like, yeah, sure, whatever. And then, uh, the day of is a hey Caleb. Instead of speaking five five or ten minutes, uh, a few people dropped out. Would you not speak for twenty minutes? Uh, all right. <laughs> which, any,
0: which anybody who's done public speaking, twenty minutes is long. That's a lot of words in twenty minutes.
1: A long time to, <laughs> to really try to convey a a great message in any in anything you're talking about. Sure. Um so that was that. So now I'm a little more nervous. And uh, then here comes the day of. I ride down to Salzburg alone. I had some, some great friends meet me there. It really kind of got my head, just got my head right. And uh, ironically, I met another guy who I did not even know uh, from Brooklyn, New York. I met him in, in, the, in the march. His name's Chris. Uh, and Chris was walking with me. And he's just talking to me and I didn't tell him I was speaking. He's just talking to me and talking to me and talking to me. And then the organizers come find me and say, Hey, you ready to go? Chris is like, Oh man, you're speaking. I was like, yeah, I'm, I am. I'm kind of nervous. I'm going to lie. He just kept going with me. And then uh, the organizers again said, Hey, somebody else dropped out. We got to figure out who's going first. And Chris, who wasn't asked to speak, just jumped up. And I was like, what? He's like, yeah, man, I got it. No worries. And he went up there and spoke. I was like, Holy. All right. And that really motivated me like, okay, this, like, this guy didn't even like pair a speech and now he's going to talk about something as a black man, how it is a racism felt to him, how it's perceived by him in Europe and the U.S. and every other place he's been to. So that I'm,
0: I'm, I'm going to pause you right there. I'm glad you said and Europe. Yeah, it's not a geographical isolated thing. Yeah, it's not. It, it could. It's definitely worse in places, and yeah. than it is in other places. But it's yeah. not an isolated occurrence. No, it's a cultural issue. Yeah, throughout society. Oh yeah, oh yeah, the whole society, everywhere.
1: It's a, it's an issue. Oh yeah, you you hit it right on the head. It's not just in the United States, and uh, just like when coronavirus hit, when coronavirus hit, a lot of people like, "Oh, that's just in China." racism is not just in the u.s it is all over the world it it does look different in different places yeah there's there are different levels absolutely that doesn't that doesn't mean it doesn't happen and it should be accepted in different ways but yeah that that was that was what really was surprising because when i now i'm in Salzburg, and i'm about to get up on this truck I'm looking out and I'm like, man, there's like 200, 300 black people in Salzburg. I ain't never seen you play. I've never seen this. In my life. And uh, it, was, it was really exciting. But when I got on the stage itself, I think I'm similar to you in the sense that there was so much going on in the news in the U.S. There were so many different conversations. There were so many just things just thrown out there. And you felt so many different emotions mm-hmm. that you couldn't figure out how to say it the right way or the best way to express what you wanted to say and i just i just yelled i, I just screamed for like a full minute because that's all i could do i didn't, I didn't really <laughs> know what else to do and that that uh, yelling kind of compiled like just anger hurt um frustration uh a little bit of joy in there of, of course too but you can't put that in one word no right? so here no. we are.
0: But you you definitely had a, a specific message that you wanted to get across and that came through very clear. Um, you want to talk about what what your message in general was?
1: Sure. For anybody um, who didn't
0: see the speech, just kind of summarize yeah. what what your message was.
1: Yeah, for anybody who didn't, didn't see the speech yet, it's, uh, it's up on Facebook, YouTube, uh, Instagram. It's, it's been shared a lot, but you can visit my Facebook and Instagram page or American Football International Facebook page, all over the place. Um, first and foremost, I didn't write all of that. Uh, I wrote some of it, and then the rest was emotions and conversations I'd had with friends beforehand, mm-hmm. uh, maybe that day or or days before, and some family. I had those conversations too, and then it all came out. But the message was, "I see you. <laughs> I, I see you, my my friend." who's hurting, my friend who is confused, my friend who wants to know, my friend who wants to express himself, I see everybody, if you're, you're black, if you're white, if you're Hispanic, if you're European, if you're Asian, I see you and, and I love you and you need to know that. And we need to love each other and say that right back to somebody mm-hmm. At this time, we're hurting as people, specifically mm-hmm. the, the black American people or black people around the world are having some kind of frustration and pain treated me some kind of way just because I'm having black skin. Mm-hmm. But we as a people all across the globe are hurting and don't know how to fix it. And the best way to start with that is to recognize, hey man, I see you, mm-hmm. I see what you're going through. I'm mm-hmm. trying my best to understand it. Mm-hmm. I need to let you know I love you. This is how I'm saying I love you, now I wanna work with you. Now let's keep going. And I, I said a bunch of other things in between the speech, but I think that was the general message.
0: No, I, I, think, you're right. I think you're right. And I think you're right. And honestly, I, I love, I love that message because basically, um, anybody who hasn't heard it, I kind of, I kind of gave my point of view on everything via the Drew Brees scenario, because uh, I think Drew Brees, the whole Drew Brees scenario encapsulated what was wrong, what is wrong in our in our society in terms of communication. Basically, what you're asking people to do is empathize. Never understand. I'll, i I can never, ever, ever begin to relate, but I can empathize. I can empathize very very strongly because it's something that is becoming more and more evident. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean I can can relate to how you feel, but I definitely can understand hurting, I can understand frustration, I can understand anger. And these are all emotions you felt for obviously a different reason if you're white, uh, not necessarily oppression or racism, but everybody can understand those emotions and just like you said, I see you as such a nice message because you're, you're just, you're, you're acknowledging the feeling that they are feeling and empathizing with it. And that's, that's a perfect first step. And that's why I, I really gravitated. And I spoke about that in, in more detail in regards to Drew Brees' case uh, mm-hmm. on my podcast. If you guys haven't heard that, you could check that out if you're interested. Uh, but I, w- I was wondering when I was listening to it or, or afterwards, I kind of sat there and thought about it and kind of reflected about the video. And one of the questions I had was how important are those demonstrations and how important is giving the African-American community or the black community as a whole, the platform where it's like, Hey, there's 7,000 people here and we're listening to you. You know what I mean? Or, or the, the thousands and thousands of people have, that have seen the video on social media, and it's like, hey, I'm, because I did the same thing. It's like, all right, I'm going to sit down. Mm-hmm. I'm going to shut the fuck up. I'm not going to do mm-hmm. anything besides mm-hmm. listen to this man speak for 10 minutes mm-hmm. or whatever it was. And yeah. how important is that, that, that that platform was given?
1: Man, so I want to say it for, for what I recognized first of how important it was, there was a group. And these guys might not know what they really did for me. There was a group of about 15 to 20 black men. These are grown men. They they may be 22 and up mm-hmm. in the crowd. And they're about 30 yards out in front of the crowd from where I am. And uh, if you see me in, in, the, uh, in the speech pointing further out in front, yeah. I'm, I'm pointing at them because their energy was so loving while I was speaking. And they were so excited when I was on stage because I wasn't speaking just for me, I was speaking for someone else. Exactly. And And their community is like, dude, I've been trying to tell you what's been going on, but you won't listen to me. But now this guy is on top of a truck (laughs) and you're all listening to him. And they appreciated that so Mm -hmm. much. And I could tell that by the way they responded to everything I said. And when I jumped off the truck, they were the first people to rush to hug me. Uh, I can tell that there was a young man, two young men that were right in front of the truck, maybe 12 years old at the most. And Mm -hmm. the fact that they were in front, I was like, heck, how would you get to the front, man? And like, that shows some boldness that you're in the front. But there's two young black boys in the front of this this protest. And they're listening to me seeing like, man, there's this this American black man on top of this truck speaking English. It's kind of cool. I'm not sure what's happening. So I'm gonna keep listening. And I remember I shared a moment and said, hey, man, you can do whatever you want in this world. You can be whoever you want. Never let anyone discourage you and say you can't just because you're dark or because you come from a different neighborhood. And I know for me, then saying that and witnessing that, no one had done that in my community when I was growing up. My parents did a, did a really good job of, of always telling me I can you know, go and do some things that supported me. I'll never take that away from my parents. They did a great job. Mm-hmm. But I don't remember anyone ever coming to my school, my team, uh, a game, and saying that to me. And I think there's a lot of value in that. And I'm not saying it doesn't happen or that happens for every uh, person who is white. I'm not saying that, but I think there's a lot of value for the person of color who's not used to seeing it because society in certain parts of the world will influence you to believe that because you're darker, you have a less chance to do some great things. You know, um, And I even think there's some value in it for the, the non-Black person there who might've been Asian or white, it's like, wow. I've never met a, a black American person and you're speaking like this. You're nothing like the stereotype that I know on TV and you can speak another language. Uh, you speak multiple languages and you're a business owner. And yeah, you're, 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 you're educated.
0: Like, you're, you you're, 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 yeah, come you're on, world please. trial, uh, you're, you're world come travel. You, you're not just an entertainer, a music maker. No, it, that's, it's so, it's so annoying to me, to be honest. Uh, because now that mm-hmm. I've lived abroad, for five years now. I feel detached from America. And, mm-hmm. and the things that I see on the media or the things that I see on social media and everything are, are truly saddening to me. But that's not the America I know. You know, that's not the black community I know. That's not the guys I play football with. These are not right. my friends, you know. And so it's I think you only get glimpses of it. It's so it's so um, inaccurate at times. There's so much more that, that every every community, especially the black community offers in the States. And uh, oh, yeah. that should be highlighted. But to touch on what you said as well, I think hearing it in general is important that you have a person standing up there with high energy going, you can be whatever you wanna be. But when that person looks like you, it's different. It's gotta be different. Yeah. I can only relate, I can't really relate, but, but it's gotta be different where it's like, hey, that guy looks like me and he did it. So yeah. I can do it too. You know what I mean? Yeah. And yep. I think I think that's extremely powerful.
1: Yeah, and, and it that that right there, I know motivated somebody. Uh, I got a number of messages, so that confirmed to me it's like I, I already I got really through somebody. And then I got some other messages from my non-white kings and queens, because <laughs> I said yeah, that a lot. It, yeah, I yeah. mean, my non-black kings and queens who, who were at the protest. and it got through to them too, because it, it said, "Okay, I am committed to listening and doing better, understanding and relating." In different ways that I have not done before, mm-hmm. and I want to do this with you. And I thought that was beautiful. All right, we're we're on a team, and <laughs> we're going to work together and find our way to do that. Mm-hmm. That's what it was for. It wasn't just for like for for no for a minute. It was for that black person. <laughs> they deserve that that money. Sure. Absolutely. But in entirety, the protest is for everyone.
0: Mm. No, absolutely, but the. The thing that I'm interested in, and again, I thought about a lot about it and and I've had I had conversations with with black friends of mine about it. And, you know, it's like, it's not reaching the people that took time out of their day to show up to that demonstration to hear you talk. That's important. But it's the people that don't go to things like that or aren't open minded to those things that are even more important to reach. So how and I don't expect an answer. This is a, or, or maybe you haven't even thought about this because I didn't prep you on this or anything. Mm-hmm. And it's an extremely difficult answer or question to answer. But how how does the message go from the 7000 people or the 1000s and 1000s and 1000s of people that have have been to demonstrations, especially peaceful presentation, uh, protests that have that have just listened and gathered information and, and tried to understand, how does that message transmit from them to the people that weren't there that probably need to hear the message even more?
1: I, and I think it, it does start with those who are in attendance. Oh, oh hold on. I'm trying to turn that off. No problem. Turn this down real quick just in case it happens again.
0: Busy man, man. busy man. What phone was that? Your, your third phone? Your fourth <laughs> phone? <laughs> That's one of
1: them. <laughs> I, I think it does start with those who are in attendance because now you can come back, you can go out and scare, uh, spread a message, you know. Um, and I had said something about holding other people accountable mm-hmm. and educating one another, and simply just committing to doing better. Because if you and I go to the demonstration and we learn something, let's let's take race out of this this idea. Let's take a uh, demonstration about jars, right? We went to a demonstration about how jars can be useful in our house. And both you and I were like really excited from what we learned about it. And then we left and we went to football practice or to school and someone said jars are stupid. And you, and if you just take that one second and say, hey, no, they're not. Look, let me tell you what I learned. And maybe you could think different. You just do that once, just one time. And that person who said something is stupid or ignorant or non value will have to sit back and be like, well, because he's gonna look for assurance in the room, like, is someone gonna put this guy in check for saying my comment's stupid? They're like, nah, man. Like, he gave you some valuable knowledge from a loving place. Anyone who meets love with hatred or just negativity, come on, man. Like, society is good enough to say, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm not dealing with this today. <laughs> I'm gonna mm-hmm. keep it moving. So I do think it starts with those who attend, and you slowly get to the other people who did not attend. And some other girl said it before me. It's like, oh, all you guys are here. Thank you. You're not in Salzburg uh, cafes drinking tea and coffee. You're here. And I thought that was great because there were other people who were like watching the protest from their coffee table and they were shook like, what the heck is going on? Yeah. Like, Why don't you come out?
0: Yeah, <laughs> it was pretty cool. No, I think, I think that's the, probably the best answer I've heard about it. And, and that's I was so impressed with uh, that notion of, I think even, even I can't speak from personal experienced that much that's not something that i've experienced uh even seeing racism you know uh maybe some closed-mindedness but nothing out of hate i've never experienced but even the closed-mindedness is a problem and leads to this stuff so but when you see that even particularly as a as a as a white person if it's another white person who says it Mm -hmm. and and you address that with hey we got we're going to do better today i think that's such a that's such First of all, it's a comfortable thing for me to say because it's like I'm I'm confronting something I don't like, but in a positive way, and yeah. I thought that was a really a really great way to do it and a great tool for people to use in the future because then it stems a conversation, and it stems and these conversations exactly. But but I, I have a feeling because what you said what you said that even stemmed to this uh, invitation to the protest is hey my door is open. I'm willing to sit here and have a dialogue with you. These dialogues are so vital. I don't, I can't tell you how many opinions that I've had be changed via conversation. Mm -hmm. And, but it seems like people and because they're uncomfortable or because of whatever they're closed minded or whatever the case may be, I feel like these conversations don't happen as much as they should. Uh, But, but addressing people and going, Hey, that's not what we're going to do here. You know, like that, we're going to do better than that today. I think it's such a a beautiful response to that and a, and a great way to go about it. Uh, And the last question I had, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. I know you're a busy man. You're good, Uh, bro. We can keep uh, uh, talking about it. (laughs) Yeah. The last question I had for you and and this, this is something, the reaction to the murder of George Floyd is not, is not purely obviously this, situation is race but these things happen these societal yep. things happen in more than just race and then where there's outrage about something that happens the biggest thing that i could think is like mass shootings yep. you know what i mean where you in the states you have you have and that that's pretty much a state's issue at this point where you have yeah when you have school shootings or mass shootings that happen in las vegas which affect every race ethnicity yep. uh, religious standpoint that's a communal issue and it doesn't those type of things, in some regards, they do. Like if you go target a specific audience, but like a school shooting, for example, is not is not bigoted. It's an equal opportunity issue, right? Yeah. And then it's like, man, this thing happened that is so terrible. You know, we're going to protest gu- uh, gun regulations and do this and do this and do this. And then a month later, it's gone, you know? And in the race, how many times have we seen that in racial things in the last five years? So it's like, so it's like people come together and there's obviously a mass um, agreement that this yep. was a terrible thing and these things are terrible things and these things should no longer happen. Yep. But then 3 weeks from now it's not in the forefront of our mind anymore. Now it's just here and then when it happens again it's like god oh, that's terrible again and the, so how how is this how can we as a society decide that this that issues like these stay in the forefront and we stay active about it. And it's not just something that is uh, an, a two-week topic every time it happens and then it just continues to happen. Also a very difficult question.
1: <laughs> no, but, but it's solid, right? It's a yeah. solid question that can be in, implemented in a football team, school, uh, in any practice of life. Mm-hmm. The only way to get better at anything is you have to continuously practice. Mm -hmm. You have to continuously work at it. You want a better, I heard Ray Lewis say it the best. I used to listen to this speech all the time. You want a better relationship with God, you got to pray more. You want a better relationship with your wife or your husband, you better spend more time and communicate with them more. You want to be a better football player, you have to work at your craft on the field and in the gym. Spend more time with them. And it's the same thing when it comes to getting better with relations with your friends and other communities that look different. Spend more time together and communicate and just continuously having that notion of, I'm gonna get better at this. If you're someone who is, who just spews racist jokes out, and that's where you find your comedy, but you're not a racist person in your own light, but that you're using race as the butt of your joke, you can get better by removing your comical sense of humor, like removes racism from that. Just, Just take it out, like, oh, I can find comedy in sports, or I can find comedy in cartoons not race. Or if I'm someone who always sees someone and then completely puts a judgment on them just by the color of their skin or where I think they're from, you have to capture that thought immediately and say, well, I didn't even know I to doing that. And you have to work at it. It's not going to happen overnight, but if you do that by yourself, anyone can do that alone. You don't need a team. You don't need a leader. You don't need a podcast you don't need a whole like more more innovation uh devotional to tell you do that that's just commitment saying me the individual i'm gonna work at this i'm yeah. gonna become a better cook looks like i can go read some cookbooks or ask yeah. for anything man
0: if it's important to you you do it that's the thing that's the thing i was questioning if it's important to you you're gonna work at it and i thought uh, th- and this is the last point i'll touch on go ahead
1: yeah, no, uh, I was going to say, even if it's not important to you, but it's important to the people around you and you're tired of hearing about it. But uh, that has to I'm, be
0: important too. You know, there's different types yeah. of motivations. I don't I do not do half the shit in the apartment because it's important to me, but the person I love, it's important to them. Mm-hmm. So inherently, it should be important to me. Now I still need work at it. I'm not perfect yeah. by <laughs> any means, but but that's also a motivation. It's people I love, people I care about, it's important to them. And I think the perfect example of that is where you brought up and something that I'm extremely sensitive to is where you brought up the N word in your speech. And how many how many people love hip hop? How many people love Kevin Hart? How many people love Dave Chappelle? Uh, it's a it's a word rooted from hate, you know, right. so so it's, it's been, you know, there's different philosophies about it, but the black community has inherited it and it, they've made it their own word. And that's it's great but that's, that's not a word I choose to use. And in college I did, you know, when I was talking to some teammates, I'd be quoting Kevin Hart and, and, and you know, I didn't want to shy away from it. And because I wasn't scared of the word, but I also didn't understand, I didn't understand where it came from. I didn't st- understand the power of the word. And right. so now no, in any situation, I just choose not to use it. I don't care. It, it's not a word for me. It's not my word. It's a word that comes from hate. From, right. from, from, from people that looked like me 200, 300. Right. Still today, I'm not even gonna say it's 200 300 <laughs> right. years ago. Still today, people that look like me use it from hate. And that's not yeah. a word I choose to use. And I think kind of like what you're saying is working at things or keeping, keeping things yeah. that could be, that no, that aren't, could, that are racist in the foreground of your thought. Yeah. Keep it here, keep it present to you. Like, ooh right. Man, even if I'm quoting a song that's it's here, you know what I mean? Or or if I have a thought like where I see see somebody who doesn't look like me and I get tense. Why? It's, it's got to stay. All these things have to stay in the foreground of your thought. And like you said, practice for anything to be changed, because it can't just be the fad of the week. No, nope. that's what I fear.
1: No, man, I think you're right on it. And one, I want to commend you for being open with your own growth with that mm-hmm. and saying how you didn't understand the word and maybe I didn't. you didn't, and now you learned and you've mm-hmm. made your own practice with that. You know what I'm saying? So that's the perfect example.
0: And the crazy thing is, you know, I didn't offend anybody by using the word, at least that, that was verbalized to me. I didn't know I was <clears> offending <throat> people, and I, and I honestly don't think I did because they knew me, they knew I wasn't using it in a derogatory way, and I purely just quoted things, right? If it came on a song, I would still use it. <clears throat> But it got to the point where I don't like doing it. It doesn't feel good for me to say this word. And and uh, to be honest, it's not the only one. Uh, you know, there was um, the R word, if you will, retarded. It's not a word I choose to use anymore. And that was brought out to me by a friend who has a mentally disabled brother. And it's just like, but I used to say this shit all the time. Man, that's retarded. No, 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 no. There's people that are retarded. And it's a, it's a huge issue and it's... An ex- it's the words that stem from hate. And again, when it's mm-hmm. in your foreground or somebody brings it to your foreground, let it stay there. So let mm-hmm. George Floyd and what happened to him be the thing that brings these things into the foreground of your thought yeah. and let them stay oh, yeah. there and let them ah. stay. there. That's what I urge because there's, uh, we've been seeing, we've been seeing it so, so much the lack of, the lack of tolerance, the lack of um, awareness and the lack of thought. To, to, oh, yeah. to make these changes. And that's why, like I said, the the feeling that I felt the most is just sorrow. It's just sadness mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. here it is again.
1: It, right, and here it is again. Now I will say we, we've never been, we've never seen the whole world form a demonstration or a riot or, excuse me, demonstration or protest yeah based off one of these actions. We have never seen that. So does that identify or signal up some kind of change is coming. I pray it does, and I believe it does. I really do. Hope so. um, but for the individual who has seen it a number of times, I can understand the feeling of hopelessness, sorrow, and frustration of life. Again?
0: <laughs> for me, I mean, for me, not even, not even being of that community. I, yeah. I'm watching, you know, in the bad thing, I don't remember their names, but I remember seeing it. I remember the guy getting choked out for selling Lucy cigarettes in New York getting choked to death and like for me it was like what the fuck are we doing what are we doing we got to be better than that
1: gotta be better
0: and that's the thing i just hope it stays in people's foregrounds and i hope it stays in people's thoughts because um and i i I don't i'm not perfect and i don't expect people to be perfect but i expect you to try to be perfect and try to be better and that's why i thought your message was beautiful
1: i appreciate that man and i yeah, I, I really, really appreciate that. I do think it's something we can all do because I've had some other conversations where everyone was like, "Well, we need a leader. Uh, we need to make a change right now." Uh, how long is that going to take? Because we are an instant gratification community of people, societies, people. Man, you can you can improve something every single day. You have an opportunity to wake up when God has given you a breath shine light on your face. You have an opportunity to say, you know what? I'm going to go shower, so now I don't stink today. (laughs) Or I'm going to drink some water so I have some hydration in my body. You have an opportunity to get better at something Mm -hmm. every single day. And even for those who say, oh, I don't have those luxuries of clean water or a a hot shower, that person who has nothing because I've been in that situation where I felt like I had nothing, you still had something you said, Mm -hmm. I'm going to get better at today so I can find my way to have more than the things that I have now, so yeah, we just got to keep doing better, find yeah. new ways to.
0: I think you're right. I think a lot of people say, "Man, we need a leader," and no, we don't. You be the leader. You lead yourself. I mean, how many people? How many people thought the world was going to change when Obama got elected? Yeah, you know, it takes more than one guy. It takes yeah. it takes you as an individual. To look in the mirror and go, "I'm going to be better today. I'm going to am going to I'm going to practice these things that are important to me." And, you know, I had the almost the exact same conversation with Jermaine Ginn, my guy. And, and it was like, man, we just have to, we just have to come together and decide what society we want as individuals and decide what human rights everybody is entitled to and do it and do it. It's it's so much bigger than one person. It's, it's everybody and.
1: You said it, man. You, you hit it right on the head. And I'm glad I, I can see your emotion there. I was like, man, I've been like, you seem like you've been holding it in for a minute too. So I'm glad we got to talk. It's annoying. Sad. You get it's in. sad.
0: I think, the, I think the saddest thing for me is yeah. to, I, I was and I still am a proud American and I'm proud of America's potential more than anything. I'm not proud of the current state that it's in but i'm proud of our diversity i'm proud of what the country should stand for i'm proud of the potential that it has and the and there's a lot of good people that are working towards it in america you just don't see them often and unfortunately but the, it's saddening to me that not everybody's experience is positive it's saddening to me and this goes back to Drew Brees thing, that people can look at the American flag and go, that, that thing that that symbolizes isn't working for me. You know what I mean? That it, doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't encompass the entire population. And that people feel that way, for me, is deeply saddening because nobody should feel that way about the country that they live in and that they're a citizen of. No. And for me, that's not... the, I can't imagine the feeling of hearing the National Anthem and, and what, what's, what's inside of those people. It's deep, it's saddening to me.
1: Yeah, man, yeah, there's ah, so much. There's uh, so much. But I, I find beauty in the moment of realization. I find beauty in the moment of communicating and growth. It's like, okay, taking another step to be beyond that, to be better than what we were before. Mm-hmm. And if I can just see that bit of effort every day, and there are days where you don't see the effort to be better, if I can see that bit of effort of us as a society in every country trying to improve our flaws, not the opinionated flaws, just the facts of human rights flaws, like to be free and you shouldn't discriminate, those things, boom. Um, And yeah, I think there's a lot of hope for us. Yeah.
0: If... If anybody listened to this, want to reach out to Caleb, like he said, his doors are open. If you want to reach out to me for whatever reason, to hear my opinion on it. Uh, you can write me a message. Go listen to Caleb's speech. If you haven't, you can find it on all of his social medias. Caleb Leach with a K. Um, and follow everything AFI does. They do weekly interviews with great people, in American football all over the place. Uh, and Europe's elites go follow everything that he does. And uh, cause he's, he's, he's become a great ambassador for American football in Europe. And I appreciate you, my man.
1: All love, man. And, and this, the most sincerity of the hope you gave me of our friendship. And we just became friends week by week. You just checked in on me and you knew that low point I was at. And you could see it very clearly. As you just said, it's like, yep, yeah, I've seen that before. Yeah. so
0: Been there. I, I,
1: I appreciate it so much. Nothing but love for you, man. I thank right. you for allowing me to come on the show. Of course, man. Of course, man. Take care. Take bro. I'm wasting my life pursuing my dreams
0: Running and running.
1: Skill Breaking my heart Bleeding and hurting is part of the game Nursing the fire
0: Thank you for listening to the podcast, He Has a Bird, with Sean Shelton. Sean is the record, best.
1: The He's
0: USA. the superstar.